to a sub-episode of Untrue Crime, where fiction meets felonies. I'm Alex. And I'm Belle. Today's episode includes content warnings for kidnapping and illness. This is your fair warning that this podcast uses explicit language before someone walks in at the wrong time. As a last warning, today's episode includes kidnapping and illness. Let's get this started, shall we? We shall. Today, we are zeroing in on Aldersea Afton and The Axe, an episode that we have already released. Now, we will be taking a bit of a God's eye view on the situation. Explanations will come from me, the writer, rather than being based on what was known to characters in this universe based solely on fact, as is often the case with our regular episodes. As a quick refresher, this takes place in the Kingdom of Falcha on the east coast of England. Falcha is sealed off from the rest of the world with a magical barrier that disguises it from anyone outside of the kingdom. Its barrier prevents it from being seen or perceived by any technology. What we believe to be the edge of the British Isles is, in fact, not in this world. The way that the magic bends reality makes it almost as if the kingdom is not there at all. The reverse is true for those within the kingdom, too. The edge of the kingdom is covered with a thick and penetrable fog that prevents them from seeing out. It goes over the western border, of course, but it also loops around to carve out the rest of the kingdom and even extends a significant way into the ocean. No one can come in, and no one can come out. Except, as you may remember, Rochester. In our episode, we talked about Rochester and Aldersea, Queen of Falcha, who rejected his marriage proposals, and, in a fit of rage, he cut down her tree, killing her since she was a dryad. He was tried by Aldersea's daughter, Irina, who found him guilty and had him executed. I had mentioned briefly in the episode that Rochester took Irina out of the kingdom without her mother's permission once, which some people had questions about, so I decided that for our first case update, I'd talk a bit about that. I actually reached out to you after the case and asked you questions about it, (laughs) which would have been really great to add into the episode, but silly little me did not want to seem clueless for an episode that I did not write. (laughs) Ever since Irina was little, she had wondered at what it was like outside of Falcha. However, she wasn't permitted to leave, so she never got to see it. Once the borders were sealed, one could only come in and out with a magical amulet designed by the founders of Falcha. Rochester happened to be one of the people with an amulet, granted to him by Aldersea so that he could visit her and still maintain his regular life as a human in the village outside. One day, Rochester stopped Irina when she was playing with her friends in the woods. She was young, just past eleven in dry-eyed years. He often tried to assert himself as a father to her, and she rejected it at every chance. The two of them didn't get along, mostly due to Irina despising him. They shared a short exchange about her mother, wherein Rochester did briefly mention that he was not getting along with her mother at the moment, which wasn't uncommon. The two fought often. Rochester said he wanted to take her on an outing, for the two of them, to the outside. Irina was hesitant for a moment, but Rochester was the route to completing her lifelong dream of seeing what was beyond the fog of the magical borders, so she agreed to go with him, especially after he said that her mother had approved of it. In fact, he had sworn upon Bontheus, the falchion god of honesty, among other things. Irina believed him because of this, unknowing that he didn't believe in the gods of Falcha and didn't take this oath seriously. This was, after all, the most serious swear someone could make in her culture to prove their honesty. I think it's really funny when 11-year-olds have a lifelong dream because they're 11. I've spent 11 years dreaming of this. Actually, less than because you can't dream much when you're really little. I have had a lifelong dream. Or she's she's Scottish. I've had this dream for for 
four years now and that's most <laughs> of my life that is a long time a dream for four years but yeah i mean i suppose oh. so but when you're it doesn't it's not the same as when you're like i have a lifelong dream and you're like elderly and you're like i'm gonna fulfill this before i die yeah yeah especially when she's immortal yeah like that really changes the definition of lifelong I will say, she is, like, 11 in dryad years. She's, like, I think it was 220-something in human years. So, to be fair, she has had this dream for a very long time. Just not for her species. Yeah, no, yeah, but then they would perceive the time differently, I presume. Yeah, yeah. So... Two of them departed, him looping the amulet around each of their necks while carrying Irina, and they passed through the fog before he set her down. For Irina, it was an amazing experience at first. Everything was new and exciting. After all, she had never left Falcha in her whole life, and the culture shock was quite strong. There were, of course, many similarities. Falcha and their language bore similarities to the languages spoken in the British Isles at the time, and their fashion had clear links, but it was still a whole new world. He bought her bread to eat, and she went dancing in the square, only stopping when her body began to ache. She sat down beside him to eat some more as the sun began to set. Something was wrong, though. Her body felt more and more drained by the minute, and her hands began to shake as her stomach churned. She threw up, Rochester holding back her hair, and then she nearly fainted. Rochester believed that she had overexerted and excited herself, so he took her back to his house to rest for a little while, planning to return to Falcha after she got her bearings. He gave her the bed and slept on the floor. Next day, she was no better, so he decided to wait a little longer before trying to take her back to the kingdom, but she only got worse and worse. At the end of a week, she couldn't speak, her fever had her covered in sweat, and she was delirious. Her skin was as white as a ghost. He'd consulted the local doctor, who didn't know what was wrong with her, but he said that she was dying. Rochester panicked and realized he couldn't wait for her to get better. He'd just have to carry her all the way back to Falcha. He was afraid to face her mother, knowing he should have returned her sooner, but he went through the fog anyway for Arena's sake. I think that if someone took my child through the magical borders and then didn't return her for a week, I would not be friends with them. I would also be upset. Yes. Yeah. I would argue that this would be even firmer for a romantic partner in life. Yeah. Where, no, you may not take my child on an ex- on a week-long excursion and then when she gets sick you just kind of keep her there why would you do that you tell me when my kid is sick he um i'm not i'm not saying he's right he was not right in doing this or anything but he did only intend to take her on a little excursion for a couple hours he shouldn't have kept her out of there he should have taken her straight back he shouldn't have left with her in the first place um but it is worth noting that he didn't intended kidnap her for a week he intended to kidnap her for a couple hours (laughs) he still kidnapped her he did i suppose it also depends on what you set down in a romantic relationship because i know for some people like they're totally fine with their partners picking their kids up from school or taking them out for a little while or something like that but this wasn't something that Rochester and Aldersey had explicitly discussed exactly because it was kind of implied, no, you can't take my daughter beyond the magical border that only you can cross with your magical amulet. But he felt that he was, like, it was fine to do so. He didn't do it because he was like, oh, I'm going to 
take her without permission and stuff. It was more like, he knew it wasn't right exactly, but he didn't think it was like a huge deal. It was a huge deal. He didn't think it was when he took her until she got sick and he kept her for a week. And then he was like, oh, she's probably going to be mad. Like, no shit, bro. Of course she's going to be mad. If my child was out of where I knew they were supposed to be, it does not matter who they're with. They could be with you. They could be with my wife. They need, I need to know where they are because it's my kid. That's how I would feel too, yeah. The witch was at the border, a sentinel, and she disappeared when she saw them, reappearing with the queen. Aldersea Afton didn't look like herself. She too was pale. Her eyes were red and puffy and her hair hadn't been well kept. When she saw her daughter, she let out a choked sob. She ran to Rochester, easing Irina out of his arms. There was no way Irina understood what was happening in her state, but Aldersea didn't care. She whispered how much she loved her over and over as she carried her back to the cottage. There, she lay her daughter down. Aldersea had spent a week with her daughter missing and her lover gone, too. She had worried that he was never bringing her back or something horrible had happened to her, which, to be See, fair, See, even if had. you carried my kid out and I was mad at you for carrying my kid out... And we, we have an established trusting bond. I would trust you with my child. But the fact that she had thought, what if he does not come back with my kid? That should not be crossing crossing the mind when it comes to your I, romantic how could it not How could it not cross your mind, though, if they vanish without saying anything and don't come back? Yeah, that's not a good thing to do. I, I, I retain my point of... You should not, A, kidnap the child, but then, B, ever give the mother a reason to be like, oh my god, I'm never going to see my child again. I didn't say he should, bro. I'm not saying he should do this. I'm just trying to explain, because I have to get into the end. I have to, you wait, wait till the end. We'll talk about Aldersea's okay. opinions in the end. Okay. Aldersea and Rochester fought worse than they ever had. Aldersea's concerns were a given, that he took her daughter without asking her, that he didn't come back sooner, and most importantly, that he removed her from the kingdom. Dyads are not capable of being on the other side of the border if their tree is within Falcha for long periods of time, as the magic is so strong that it acts as a sort of sever from the tree's power. That was what had caused Irina to be sick, and if she had not been returned to Falcha when she was, she would have died. Rochester argued that it wasn't his fault because he only intended to be gone a few hours and he didn't know about the tree magic. And he became angry that Aldersea seemed to care more about her daughter than him. Red flag. Red flag, totally. Irina heard snippets of this fight when she awoke, but then heard no more as sleep took her again. Next time she awoke, her mother was dabbing her forehead with a damp cloth, humming an old falchion lullaby to her. Irina couldn't summon the strength to open her eyes. The third time she woke, it was Rochester beside her and she could hear him crying. She lost count of how many times she awoke after that before she truly came to. When she apologized for leaving the kingdom, however, Aldersea asked her what she meant. She tried to explain what happened, but Aldersea told her that she had had a terrible fever and that it was all part of the fever dream. After sleeping some more and having some more time, she believed that Aldersea was telling the truth. In the present day, not a lot of people know what happened with Irina in Rochester. Aldersea hadn't alerted the general public because she didn't want to cause a panic. Only Wicker and a few trusted individuals were informed. Rochester, of course, knew, but he and Aldersea died. 
Rena's memory of that time is a blur, and her mother successfully convinced her that this didn't happen. Now, Wicker is the only person of prominence who remembers the event clearly. Only Pixie of prominence. Only, only Pixie of prominence. One may ask why Aldersea continued to date Rochester after the fact, but we must remember that Rochester didn't have bad intentions at the time, and Aldersea cared a lot about him. She understood that it was a mistake that he endangered Arena's health. That said, she was still furious about him taking her out of the kingdom. It was a prolonged issue between them that she didn't forgive him for, but it didn't sever the relationship entirely. It only damaged it beyond repair. It was the reason that they continued to fight so much and that she fell out of love with him. So, yes, she kept him around, but it was not something that she ever forgot. Okay, fine. <laughs> it's not what I would do. I think she's wrong. Not what I would do, either. <laughs> I th- she was in a tricky position, politically, though, which I do understand, because everyone and their mother was like, he's bad news, like, you can't have him in the kingdom, this is a bad idea, and she was like, no guys, trust me, he's cool, and they loved and adored her so much that they were like, okay, whatever you say, like, okay, but we're nervous, so, if she was like, yeah, this guy kidnapped my daughter, and like, was open about it, everyone would be like, well, well just don't tell done, him, just told say, so. oh, Dick was bad. He had to go. <laughs> now that would have been the solution. Exactly. So, I do understand that it was a very nuanced issue and stuff because ultimately you do have to be a queen before you're a person. Um, but it it was not it was not like she was not upset about the event. Let me be very clear. She was really really upset about it. And it destroyed their relationship. And then he eventually murdered her. So, this didn't go well. Okay. Anyway, that's all for today, guys. Thank you for listening. Bye! Bye.